Welcome to Independence of Humanity. This is Oscaris Oz Miller. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, my dear friend, Tyler Vickers. Tyler, please introduce yourself. Uh, hello, I am Tyler Vickers, a Young Harris student. Excellent. Do you have any other accolades? Um, I've spent a very long time uh, looking into the <laughs> other accolades i haven't really accomplished much in life he has not accomplished much in life yet but he will probably not all right let's get right into it. <laughs> okay so today's episode i've decided we've decided together we are you know doing our our constant philosophical questioning uh not the class 1300 taught by Dr. Nathan Eric Dickman. However, we were questioning a lot of things, but in a way that, you know, whenever high people talk, you, you've probably heard of a friend who's high. I know I've heard plenty of people walking into my uh, campus center building uh, going like, what if your color, what if your blue's not my blue? We didn't do that because that's that that seems like you could have accomplished that conversation at the age of three. So we went a little bit deeper than that. Today, the episode is called What Ifs, The What Ifs. And let's start it off. So what if the soul is not as we think it is? Tyler, start us off. All right. Uh, so when you say, what if the soul is not as we think it is, as in uh, maybe kind of uh, the way you could look at uh, America, maybe thinking mm. of the soul is kind of like this blue ball of energy. OK, um, OK. You see like movies and a lot of like stuff in popular culture, like describing the soul as that kind of way, like this mm -hmm. blue ball of energy, probably like near your heart or something like that. Yeah. And uh, something that can like exit through your mouth mm, typically when mm -hmm, you die. Mm -hmm. But are you saying what if it's not like that? Are you what saying if it's not like that? Okay, what if it's not like that? Um, I myself kind of think of it as a energy kind okay, of uh, okay, okay, kind of around your your physical being. You know, uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. your soul is kind of the thing that animates you and like who you are, mm -hmm. and uh, that can be expressed through your body and your charisma and like your little like nuances, like maybe you like to tap your foot in class. Maybe mm, that's a mm. expression of your soul, your being. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. Nice. Nice. So we're talking about souls now. Wow. It's been a, it's been a while until earlier today, whenever we got this idea and by earlier, I mean like 35 minutes ago. Yeah. About 35 minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> so we started talking and then, I started questioning myself because I've written a few papers on the liminality. I know I always say on the pod, I've written a few papers, but you got to understand, there's literally one time in the library and I finished my work. I'm already there. I can't be bothered to walk back to my room. So I just start writing random stuff. And then at about 4 a.m., it's completely incohesive and incoherent. I can't understand it. So I don't think anyone else can. So let's try it. So what if, mm -hmm. sticking with the theme of the episode, the soul is not necessarily contained within the body? What if the soul is an emanation of 
the Godhead, right? So if, if God, we talked about this earlier as well. Mm-hmm. God is like the aspen tree, the, the oldest uh, clonal tree and clonal set in the world. God is like panda, the, the pando, the, the, the old. Um, it's like a root system, the God. And then we are emanations. We are the trees that come out yeah. of God. So we are literally the, the corporeal reflections of the grace of this Godhead. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily saying that God is a conscious being. God could be the ineffable consequence of the universe interacting with us. So we are literally just emanations of the universe. And to use a little bit of Thomas Aquinas through uh, Augustine, his teacher, uh, Augustine of Hippo, if you would like to look up, and some uh, Spinoza, Baruch Spinoza, we have the possibility, once again, what if mm. this we're not we're not we're not trying to affirm some deific truth about the universe. This is the probably the only episode in which we're just gonna go off the top of our heads. I just want to affirm this so somebody doesn't I hate you and then run off and not finish a podcast. Cause regardless, it's still gonna say you started. Anywho, mm. so the soul emanates like the stocks from this root system. Yeah. That's us. We're the reflections. So I think I made a decent uh, way of trying to imagine it to myself. Mm. So God's like the light. And then the soul is, is like the prism. Yeah, the prism. Yeah, of course. And then depending on the way that the, the, the prism is angled, right? The, the, the tessellation of the body. So the way that your body has tempered your soul throughout your life is how you are expressed through the um, finite existence of your body entangled with your soul. Mm-hmm. So whenever the body dies and the soul survives, the Logos survives. Logos is the word, right? The word of God, but literally also in Greek, the breath, the breath of God. So in the beginning, if you consider Logos, right, as something that's not just the word, because like even translated in French, au commencement, il y a le verbe. In the beginning, there was the word, the verb, the, the action. What if it's in the beginning, there was the breath, and the breath was good, and the breath was with God? What if this breath, the breath of God, contained the essence of God. Because like you said, whenever we see cinema, right, this blue orb that leaves the body coming out of the mouth, what if this blue orb's not an orb, right, but rather our concept is something innate to us that is actually a our subconscious interpretation of the reverse action. So the, the, the soul came to us through the breath out of the universe, the the emanation of this Godhead. And then it tethers itself, right? Whether it emanates with the body's birth, right? Whether they're created at the same time and it it just uh, survives the sort of a beneficiary of the dyad, the relationship between body and soul, right? Like you you guys understand the concept of beneficiary whenever your ex-wife kills you, but 
Anywho, if it survives and the body is gone, right? The body didn't have a soul. As I oftentimes hear people around our school saying, if, if this concept is real, once again, what if? Mm-hmm. If the body dies and the soul remains, it's not a question of, I have a soul. Animals don't have a soul, right? Because we're about to get to Tyler right now, and he has something to say about anima, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So what if the thing is the soul isn't tied to the body, but rather the soul has the body. The soul needs a vessel in order to interact with others on this plane of existence. But whenever it returns to the universal constant, everything of earth that is changing because the soul is unchanging is done away with because it's unnecessary for the the eternal existence of the soul, right? Memories, right? So people are like, whenever I die, I'm going to see everyone who I care about or I don't want to see anyone who I don't like, Mm -hmm. right? That is such a corporeal conception of the soul because to think that you are the person who is tempered against the schism of time and space itself, the thing which is the only... So if time and space are the substrate and we are the bodies that exist, the plants that grow from the substrate, right? The the substrate of time and space aren't things. They're literally no thing, not nothing, but not anything without things to refer to it as time. So time doesn't exist until you have something that changes because time in and of itself, space is unchanging. The bodies that exist on top or throughout the dimensions of time and space are the things that change. And then we have to, because we're so fragile, our concepts of soul and metaphysics are so fragile that we have to say that time changes because if we accept that time is static and we change and we mean nothing to the the massive concept of the universe, we literally are nothing. We're less than a grain of sand, right? Not saying that we're unimportant, but we are no thing in comparison to the scope of the time and the space. Then we 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 could go mad. Yeah, no, we could for sure. Like, just just thinking about it right now, right? I might live to be a hundred if I'm lucky. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll try to hit one sixty. Um, and to imagine if you've ever seen the universal calendar all the uh all the time of the universe put on a calendar humans occupy less than one day yeah on the universal calendar that's humans how long have humans been around ah let's not throw out some arbitrary number well let's say human human beings homo sapiens sapiens have been around for all we're just going to say 120,000 years, give or take, right? Mm-hmm. We're not oh, anthropologists. Yeah. 120,000 years, right? Homo heterogensis a little bit before that, Homo habilis, Homo erectus. The humans as as hominids have been around, let's say, are we going to include Australopithecine? Let's say 1.1 million years. We're just going to stop it there. 1.1 million years of anything that's ever looked like us that could have had a concept of a soul as we think of it today in all cultures. 
Yeah. This this one million years approximately is less than a day, probably less than a few hours on the universal calendar. And we think that that us being massively powerful and controlling other species and and having well over this planet, but we can barely live our solar system in less than a couple decades. Mm-hmm. Wow. What if? Well, I mean, something to kind of, I guess, uh, piggyback off of uh, kind of how minuscule we kind of are, mm-hmm. like uh, in the grand scheme of things. I was uh, in chapel, right, mm-hmm. yesterday, uh, and Reverend Blair had a speaker come up. Uh, her name was uh, Ellie. Okay. Yeah, okay. and uh, she was uh, she was strictly uh, talking about in the spiritual sense about uh, lifespan and life, but I think it is very uh, comparable to that of our existence as well. Um, she told a story about uh, her pastor when she was younger uh, holding up uh, this rope that basically spanned from one side of the church to the other. Mm. And uh, the pastor asked you, how much do you think your life, like like in the grand scheme of things, how much do you think it uh, takes up like on this rope, I believe was uh, the question. And everybody kind of guessed like somewhere near the middle or, you know, like a fourth or X, Y, Z. And uh, she said that he held up this one little strand at the end of the rope mm. and said, that's us. Like in the grand scheme, like our life here, yeah. at least, that is how minuscule it is compared Absolutely. to the eternity that has been around. Yeah. 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 Wow. Wow. And though we use um, words like eternity and infinite, infinitude, what, what have you, uh, we have to understand that even our infinitesimal, right, the smallest, the, the ephemeral language that we use can't even encompass the the age of the universe, right? I can't count what what's the current estimate per for science of the age of the universe? Like 13, 14 billion? Yeah, something like I, that. I'm gonna be honest with you. I got tired of counting at about ten thousand five hundred something. I can't and I that get took tired me, of counting before it, that. It took me days. I like had to I like had to stay awake. Like whenever you're laying in bed, whenever I was in high school, I had to stay awake thinking of the number I was on so that whenever I woke up I could start from there. <laughs> and that took me days. And then I was like, why have I wasted so much time? I was in class, like doing a test, like tapping my foot on the ground, counting. <laughs> and then the teacher was like, yeah, yeah, you've wasted so much time. And then it's like, wow. If, if just imagine, I didn't actually waste any time because my life is, is meaningless. Not meaningless, but mm. my life is already the shortest amount of time. So, According to, like, the existence of humanity, me, like, think about it like this. Whenever you get in trouble and, and, like, from your parents, and then you're mad and you're like, I hate them, and you think about it, oh, I think about this all the time. Not, not getting mad at my parents, but, like, whenever something happens in high school and then you're like, you fail a test. Oh, my life is ruined. Some people think like that. And then now we're here, right? Whenever I'm 30, am I gonna remember that test? Unfortunately, I will. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't. You, you probably will. <laughs> but I wasn't upset like that either. I didn't. I mean, I'm not sure. We'll say I failed the test. Right. Whenever 
I'm 40. I'm going to look back and I'm be like, wow, I lost my job. So in comparison, I was unnecessarily upset. I wish I could have saved that, that anger for right now. And then, yeah, so like, next, what if, what if, man, like, I'm trying to act like I'm high, but I've never been high, so I don't know how to do it. <laughs> like, I don't know, Tyler, positive what if real quick. You said. Or what if, do you oh, have a what if? What if? All right, so um, what if mm. we lived in a world okay. where it was widely accepted that, mm. statistically speaking, uh, the existence of aliens would have to be true, right? Yeah. Like, let's say we did live in a world that was widely accepted, though, that that has to be a truth. Okay, okay. I mean, the universe being so big, X, Y, Z. Yeah, so but, widely accepted. Yeah, but let's say, let's say we found these aliens. We found these... Intelligent life forms. Okay. Um, is, I guess, kind of in this idea, do you think, guys, mm. I guess it's not a what if, I guess it's more of a do you think um, mm. that these aliens, these these intelligent life forms that uh, maybe embody some of the similar things that uh, humans do, like, you know, able to build, able to... <coughs> able to keep their history, mm. you know, uh, you know, like writings and different things like yeah. that. Uh, a lot of the things that make uh, humans not superior, but obviously very, very capable of yeah. running the earth as we have. Uh, if they possess these things, uh, do you think they are also worthy of the kingdom of God? Oh, that you, you just did a 180. Worthy of the kingdom of God. How did you incorporate Christianity into that? Wow. I, I feel caught off guard. I'll try to answer it. <laughs> so, assuming that these aliens are real, it's already widely accepted, and somehow people still maintain the same version of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And these aliens are, like, encountered, right? We've encountered them. Somehow we're communicating at faster than light speed, right? It can't be sub-light because if they're 500 light years away, it'll take 500 years to send messages. Of course. That's the worst long-distance relationship ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that'd be quite the one to pull off. Your, your great-great-grandchildren have to finish your text. They're definitely cheating on you. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. So, like, let me, let me just ponder this. Dang. But I have to continue to talk because people, uh, the, the guests, our mm. friends, who we're in a conversation with will hate if we have a long pause. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep it going, even though I'm going to be saying nothing of any importance right now until I get to it. So what if, okay. So these aliens, mm-hmm. we encounter them. Are they worthy of the kingdom of God? I think by virtue of being who they are and their existence, if, if the, the Christian conception of if the theodicy is, in this in this world, right? I'm I'm tiptoeing my way best around not trying to uh, affirm or deny whether or not I believe in the. I feel like that just said in the. <laughs> 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 that just said. Uh, I just told boy that I needed to. So the aliens would be 
because they are sentient life forms. Like, imagine this. What if mm. they come in their ship and then they have, like, you're like, who is that? And you'd be like, all this, you know, like, who is that? Well, he died for us. And then that man's on like a, on like a cross, but he's one of their people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, I feel like if aliens are real and the Christological um, conceptions of time and uh, apparition of Jesus and all things, as well as aliens, the aliens would have to be included lest they overturn the very nature of Christianity, which doesn't mention aliens. Mm-hmm. It mentions angels. Some some uh, ancient alien theorists suspect that the angels are like the Anunnaki of the of the Babylon, Babylonian or Sumerian text. And they created humans or at least like genetically modified humans from other hominids to make us good servants. I feel like I tiptoed around the question. Let me answer it 100%. Hmm. If aliens exist, no, I, I messed up again. Aliens exist. They do hmm. exist. Okay, I'm affirming this right now. Aliens, through the Drake equation, nearly are unanimously accepted by scientists to exist. Now that we've got that out of the way, if in this world, like our own, where most people are Christian, wow, I feel like this isn't a what if. This is just real life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Like I said, it's more of a what do you think kind of situation. I would accept the aliens. And then I I feel like I would have to disbar my, any Christological thoughts I've ever had in relation to the aliens being shown to me and Christ not being shown to me. Because my feelings compared to someone touching me, visiting from another star system or another dimension is, is, it's crazy. It is pretty crazy. But like, you know, the, the, the one YouTube uh, video that used to go around um, back in the day, like you can't see oxygen, but you believe you can breathe. So if you can't see God, you still believe you can breathe. It's equivocation, but nonetheless, that's what people would do. I'd be like, Okay, I'm not asking if I don't see oxygen, how can, if I see, if I can't see oxygen, but I still believe I can breathe, because that's a process which I cannot reject without me ever having seen oxygen. I know I'm breathing something, and it's allowing me to live, because whenever I'm in a vacuum, I'm dead. Whenever I stop believing in God, I'm not dead. Perhaps in the concept of Christianity, I might as well be dead because a life without God is a life dead or a life wasted. But whenever an alien is dabbing me up on the, on the streets saying, yeah, whatever noises (laughs) they might make. Yeah. You know, not trying to be species, but like, I'm, I'm going to have to put, I'm going to have to put my religion on the back burner because it took me, Seven minutes to answer that question. <laughs> wow. So, Tap, what if? Mm-hmm. I wasn't even ready for the what if. Take another what if. <laughs> All right. So, um, what if reincarnation okay. was undeniably 
True. What if uh, Ooh. with Ooh. um I'm not sure if you've seen uh the videos going around of the young boy who uh claims to be a reincarnation of this way older man who is uh a military guy and he recounts uh location dates and um these other events that happen in this man's life okay. to such an accurate degree, even though this is just a, a young boy, right? Mm. Mm. Interesting. So I've thought about this before. Mm. So the what if is, what if reincarnation was undeniably true? I like how you keep applying these absolutes to these what ifs. <laughs> uh, reincarnation, firstly, the concept of literally being reborn, the, the essence of someone being reborn, not necessarily their memories, depending on which school of thought you belong to, mm -hmm. but the essence itself. So if, if the essence is immanence of the universal God or in Hinduism, the Ishrava, right? Brahma creates, uh, Shiva destroys. Uh, we have Kali, the, 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 the devourer. We have Ganesh, the wise one. I'm not naming 10,000 uh, deities, but... That would take a while. Uh, yeah. So we have the Ishrava, and then we have an Arhat, right? If reincarnation was absolutely true, mm -hmm. how would I explain it? I would have to say that there would be a, a little Harry Potter action going, some horcruxing of the soul. Mm -hmm. There are 8 billion people on the earth, right? Uh, I don't know the exact ratio, but I know a lot of people die. So over the past 30 years, there have been more people living than there have been that died before. Yeah? Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. No, uh, it definitely is a like, like, problem. Like at, at one point, there were the bottleneck of civilization whenever uh, scientists suspect a volcano exploded and there were 14,000 people. For 14,000 people to become 8 billion and all of us to have souls, that would mean that we're splitting a lot of souls. Mm -hmm. So like to me, the reincarnation, what if there's like a ghost shell? Uh, not, not like a hungry ghost phase like in Buddhism, but perhaps, who do, how do I know? I haven't died yet. Right. And it's like a massive cloud. Mm -hmm. We'll call it the plane of ascension, to quote Stargate, where all of these essences exist, all of this universal essence exists. And then whenever a new life is emanated, right, so that we don't get upset, so that we don't upset like pro-life or pro-choice, I'm just going to assume that at the time of birth, no, being John Malkovich, at the time that the child was able to respond and achieve reciprocity, the, the imminent of this universal cloud of, of consciousness flows down and it's constantly flowing in the body of the child, right? Until a point whenever the child reaches sentience and then the child is a sentient being. This can also be applied, however, to animals. And the bottleneck is applied to, to animals that species would assume are lower animals. So like lambs, cats, dogs, uh, cows, right? 
saying that they don't have a soul or their soul is incalculably um, lesser than ours, I feel that intelligence and cognition don't equate not having a soul. Mm. I feel like the flow, the, the life force itself, since we're going to talk about the anima and the noumena in the mm. phenomenal world, the sacred world, Durkheim, um, and the profane, that which is not profanity in this instance does not mean something bad. It just means something not of the sacred, uh, right? We are in the profane world, and the sacred world is something that we cannot directly interact with. If you do some research on the dreaming, uh, an Aboriginal tradition um, of the North Aborigines, then um, Northern Aborigine cultures, then you can get some more in-depth reviews of that. If you would like, I have a paper about song lines and hit me up on the social media and I'll send it to you. Anywho, where was I? I was at, so if this universal conscious, right? Imagine it as like, as an octopus, right? The octopus of imperialism. And then these invisible tethers, like arms shoot out hmm. to connect a being like you or I or the audience to this universal essence that sustains us with life. So it's like a power cable. Mm. Whenever we become weak, it's as though our universal essence understands that our body uh, is no longer able to fully hold us, which is why it's hard for us to think or do actions because we're the, the flow, like the uh, back and forth flow connected to this essence is slowing down and sort of retracting back into this massive pool of everything, so to speak, the universal claim. And whenever we die, it's it's not that it's severed. It's like it's like one of those uh, gummy hands, mm -hmm. you, you know, the ones that you fling. Yeah, it's like it lose traction to the wall that is our vessel, mm -hmm. and then it slingshots back into the universal essence, adding our experience to it, which is how people can have a priori knowledge because the things that we know, like before I'm taught, if I'm in the jungle and I look up, I know the sun will blind me. This is synthetic a priori, of course, because I look up at the sun and I realize my, my eyes go kind of white. So I can suspect if I look up long enough, I'm just not going to be able to see anymore. So that's synthetic because I'm incorporating both the intuition, right? Mm -hmm. The things that are experienced with the ability to think forward. And as such, this universal consciousness, because I haven't forgotten that we're talking about reincarnation. Yeah, yeah. Is something tethered to us, right? And this is this is where we're getting to the memory thing, brother. Mm. So it slingshots back whenever we die. Whenever we get weak, the flow sort of becomes weaker. Whenever we're we're powerful, well, whenever we're evoking the kairos, like whenever we're publicly speaking, whenever we're with mass crowds of people and people are cheering us on, whenever we have people praying towards some one claim, right? It's like the the buildup, the flow almost overwhelms the conduit. It's like launching three million volts through an old fiber optic cable. It could it could rupture mm -hmm. and these ruptures aren't saying that the reincarnates are the same person but rather 
the the line, the tether. Right? Oh, not not to ruin us, but that also uses the word tether. Uh, Jordan Peele movie, go watch it. The tether, so to speak, connects us with this universal essence mm-hmm. and the people who died, right? Some of which may have evoked so much great power, right? Bodhisattvas, Dharmakaya, mm-hmm. uh, these great people who have reached enlightenment have sort of ruptured the fold, right? Because down comes the energy to sustain life and up comes uh, the universal understanding so that the mass mind can understand the universe ever more. Because if the, the this is why our computers are so much better than before, not because processors are faster, but because they have more cores. Because eight cores that runs at that run at one gigahertz is better than one core that runs at five. Because I can only do one action extremely fast and then move on to the next. But here I can do eight actions at a reasonable speed and get eight done whenever I've only been able to do three because I had to keep starting a new action with the one core. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, no, it does. So what if these Dharmakaya, these these Bodhisattva, right, snap the 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 regulator, the one-way flow, and then allow the universal knowledge to flow back up and also receive knowledge? So to the boy who perhaps felt that he was the reincarnate, maybe he's just receiving the, the the rupture of the universal flow down to him. So he's gaining some of the the experience mm-hmm. of assuming that memory is taken to the universal. Maybe he's receiving some of that that was ruptured whenever these traumatic experiences were happening. The kind of experience that make you question life. Because most people, whenever they say, oh, I'm a reincarnation of Cleopatra, Everyone cannot be the reincarnation of Cleopatra at once. If you accept reincarnation as Westerners conceive it, but if you accept reincarnation as the universal manifold, everyone literally is Cleopatra and not Cleopatra at the same time. But that being said, I understand, as Socrates would say, I know nothing, and I'm just speaking. And though what I say might sound good to some of you or horrible to some of you, just know that I'm probably going to write a paper about this. Well, I did uh, also have a kind of follow-up to something you uh, said slightly earlier. Um, You mentioned the kind of splitting of the soul. You talked about the initial population of 14,000 possibly becoming like, you know, billions of people. Mm -hmm. Um, So the idea, well, it's going to start off like very weird, but I'm going to connect it back. Mm. Um, So much like Jesus is thought to be 100% divine and 100% human. Yeah. um, And not like uh, this 50-50 ratio, like no splitting. Yes. Um, So do you think that that is possible or not possible for when you talk about something like the energy, that kind of God energy of yes. the soul. Yes. Do you, okay. So do you think that is okay. something okay. that would have to split in that idea of reincarnation? Or can two people manifest the same kind of energy mm. and it'd be 100% of both, if that makes sense? Okay, okay, okay. Uh, 
Okay. So, so this is actually a good question. I was talking to a friend mm. um, about uh, another, someone who, yeah, we, we can call them all friends. And someone was saying, I'm half white, right? American, of course. I'm half white, half black. Uh, and then I was like, no. Because to me, immediately, I think, wow, multiracial, biracial. You're not demiracial, half, half. You're two. So you're 100% one, 100% the other. It's like you don't say, I'm half my mother and half my father. You say, I'm a child of both. Mm -hmm. You don't say, I took my father's left side. Some people do say that. Like, I took my dad's nose, my mom's. Hey, that's not, yeah, how, people do. That's yeah, not yeah. how pundit squares work. <laughs> but so to think of this Jesus Christ, right? Jesus Christ as 100% God and 100% man, the son of man. But also to think of the Buddha, uh, Nagarjuna, the historical Buddha, and think about them. They they were men who achieved a state of reciprocity with the eternal, the, the enlightenment, where they realized that we that life is full of suffering, and that in order to do away with suffering, we must stop existing on this plane of existence. That that matriculates suffering. Like we literally, the life is a university of suffering. Right? We're, we're all in this game called life and we're all still stuck on the first level. So when, when Jesus Christ, beyond the historical Jesus, if we're looking at the Christianity or, or even Islam as a, as a prophet mm -hmm. or even some, some apocalyptic Jewish creeds, where Jesus is a, a prophet, not necessarily the Messiah, because we have to weigh in all circumstances. Jesus can be, if we're still considering God as the ineffable essence, 100% one, 100% other, because he broke the manifold. So think about the word mani, right? We have the manifesto, right? The festo, something like a celebration, right? And then we have mani by hand. We have a manuscript, something script, scribed, written by hand. We have a manifold, folded through the, an ineffable hand, right? Like a, like a, like a porthole, but mm -hmm. controlled by the hand of, let's say, a god. So the, the manifest nature of Jesus Christ in this manifold through the manuscript of the Bible, all these things involving actual plasticity of essence. I would say that Jesus Christ is in the Christian conception. I feel like I've said that so many times. They already, they already know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> the both 100% God and 100% the son of humankind. And yeah, yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense because to for for a vessel to hold God's essence as as humans conceptualize, mm -hmm. uh, like oh people, I'm I'm gonna do the uh, you know the the voice, oh people, you you can't see the essence of God. It's too brilliant. It'll kill you. That's why God manifests as a burning bush, or as the waves. 
or sends down messengers because angels don't have wings, people. Cherubs have wings, but like they they look terrifying. Angels look like people, but they're like incredibly awesome looking people. So God sends down these people. That's how you know God's talking to you. Jesus Christ, angels are also 100% the essence of Jesus and the powers and the archangels. But the one thing is very few of these powers, the the council of heaven, right? The the Elohim, the the, the beings, demons, angels, Mm -hmm. because demons are just angels who chose to follow Lucifer, who stratified them with something called free will. Michael is the ultimate um, referent of uh, duty and obedience. And Lucifer, his foil, his antithesis, is that of free will, which humans have. So these two, here here I go. Mm -hmm. If Michael and Lucifer, the archangels, and we're going to get back to uh, Jesus Christ in a second. Lucifer has the power to create. Because God used Lucifer as an instrument, has the power to create universes, but it will be formless without Michael, Michael, who forms it. It's like Lucifer digs out the clay, but clay's just dirt until Michael makes the pottery. But Michael can't make the pottery without the clay, so they need each other. But Michael, obviously, with his descent um, against Lucifer, who uh, encroached upon the the ineffable throne, trying to secure power. Once again, Christianity. The, The two were separated. And those two essences could not fully coexist because free will and duty in the angelic sphere, God God creates that, but God sort of split the two into in, into a dichotomy, so they couldn't like literally coexist until we get to mankind, the flesh, the changing, because God is unchanging. In order to be all powerful, omniscient, omnipotent, the God has to be unchanging, and humans being able to do sin are changing therefore whenever you combine the unchanging with the changing the soul it like shrouds the soul right and the shroud sort of makes you invisible to god so god can't see the sin but god can see the absence of god's self within you because of the shroud of sin so by default god knows that you sin because he's god sees less of you Jesus Christ, not being recognized like a a human, right, is clearly not an angel, angelic, but Elohim nonetheless, so of the host of heaven, because Jesus is looked at as a human. But if you see an angel, you know it's an angel because there's something. It, like, makes you feel static on your skin, right? They, they, They just look different, right? Jesus just looked like a normal man. Otherwise... He wouldn't have underwent all the suffering. So Jesus is the manifold, like we talked about time earlier. Jesus is the time and space for which the unchangeable 
can change, mm-hmm. right? The, the vessel is the thing which changes that holds time and space. It's, he's literally an inversion of physics. He is metaphysics, meta meaning mutation, physics meaning uh, the nature of all things. He's literally the meditation, the meditation, the, the, the conglomeration of the unchanging with the changing, as all humans are, but 100% and 100% from conception directly, not uh, from vessels born ready for the host of heaven to inhabit with the imminence, but as a direct uh, attestation of God's will. Jesus 100%, 100% is a dyad. So Jesus is the Elohim and the human coexisting. But as we know, the changing and the unchanging, the flesh and the soul are cannot fully coexist because one can have sin and the other cannot. Jesus recognizes, and this is God's purpose, that he has the potential to absorb all worldly sin because the unchanging soul that is the host of heaven is unwavered in the face of that sin because sin is literally uncreation because God only creates good and that which God did not create is inherently not good according to Christians. Therefore, Jesus can absorb this with the flesh, the beating, the blood of Christ, the transubstantiation of the flesh through the wafer for Catholics. The blood is wine. This allows Jesus to be a bottle for that sin, the jar of heart, so to speak, Christina Perry, on the cross. And then whenever Jesus descends to Limbus Patrick, the the breast of Abraham, the bosom of Abraham, and retrieves the Jews of old and reascends to heaven with the Jews of old and those in purgatory who have been tempered for the host of heaven with a newfound savior, according to Christianity. And then he returns to earth on that third day. That vessel which remains, mm-hmm. now they see that this vessel is divine Elohim. Now Jesus is angelic because they recognize that there's something different. There's something more powerful because the flesh as it was, the blood, the, the, the conduit for life itself was drained. And then a new invigoration from the heavenly host empowered the body once more, thus turning him into, for lack of a better word, a super angel on par with Michael and Lucifer. Strong enough to descend to hell and retrieve the Abraham and the followers of Judea and and Israel to to go back up. So in the what if, what if Jesus Christ is 100%, 100%, I say that Jesus Christ is literally the, the, the purest combination of body and soul, the purest combination of unchanging and changing, an oxymoron in existence, and incredible if true. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. But like, likewise, the Buddha, the, the flesh of the Buddha, right? Recognizing all suffering exists, life suffering, but continuing to live, not just committing suicide. Whew. Then going and then sitting underneath the tree, the, the tree of Bodhi. Meditating for for days, weeks, months on end, just drinking the nectar. And then whenever the demons of old come to challenge, mm. oh, you know, you just want to live life. We'll, we'll give you all the riches you want. Because no matter how much money I have, it doesn't do anything for me. Because I can't take those riches with me to the afterlife to the, the conceptions that the Buddha was holding. Um, so he holds up the classical three-finger pose, voice out credo, boom, the earth quakes in reverence to the Buddha, to the newfound Buddha, right? Before, before he's just uh, Siddhartha Gautama, Siddhartha Gautama. Now, the Buddha, and then, may he rest in history, chose to come back from nirvana, becoming the very first bodhisattva known to our history. Not to say that he was the first, right? But Buddha also, historically speaking, came before the historical Jesus and was also an amalgam of the body and the soul, the universal essence. Mm-hmm. And before him, the sacred and the profane, the, the the dream time and the waking world, the song lines of the Walt Pity cultures in in Australia, or the the mana to the to several Polynesian cultures, including the Maori, but not limited to them, right? The Fa'a, right? included in the Zulu culture. indigenous um, North American culture, right? be the aboriginals of Canada. Everywhere we see these concepts of individuals who defy the duty that man feels for themselves to a greater duty beyond the greater fool in which we just accept what's happening. We just say, we're number one. We start looking at the numbers. We're number 25. We're not even the best in this, not in this. We're no longer the greater fool. And then they start affirming everything is not I am. They start using the the we in the past. It's tetelestai. It's finished. We are saved. I just sounded like a preacher, but I'm so glad I talked about more than Christianity right there because I need to remain etiquette. And also, I quite prefer the story of Arjuna and the Bhagavad Gita, but uh, please don't uh, hang up the flaming cross in front of my driveway (laughs) just because I'm not a Christian. Please don't hurt me. If that answered your question, I hope it did. Oh, yeah, no, no, it answered a lot of it. Excellent. Wow. That was a good series of what ifs. I feel like we only actually asked for yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think it seems like we might have gone through. I think we answered a lot of what ifs within the yeah, what yeah, ifs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, but it does seem more like 25. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. So what if for the possibly only the second time in the history of indefensive humanity, we end before an hour? <laughs> what if? But first, Tyler Vickers, would you like to promote anything? Please uh, solve Flint's water issue. Yes, please. Flint, Michigan, we're, we're, we are giving our souls to the universal essence. We're praying for you, I guess. Uh, please, this has been too long. This is nearly a decade. We need to stop. <laughs> I don't know how it's come to this point, but yeah. like We, we know what happened to the Romans with the plumbeus, the lead, the PB, literally plumbing. They use lead in the plumbing. How are we going to do it again? We saw how it happened. Yeah, People so that lead can make you go crazy. I, I feel like next show we got to talk about political gerrymandering because we know, the, we know the, the minority groups that live in Flint who didn't have enough money to move away. Let's, mm -hmm. let's be honest. We'll, we'll see, we, we don't see people looking like our friend Bill Murray. Wait, I love Bill Murray. Wait, not, not Bill Murray, but like, but like we don't see somebody like Van Buren down there. Somebody like George W. Bush down there. This is very true. Right. We, we're seeing some Tyrones there. Right. Yes, it was racist. We're seeing a lot of displaced minorities in Flint, Michigan, who have to live there because they don't have uh, enough social mobility from the hegemony to move around. But we'll talk about that on a later date. Anywho, thank you to Monumental Creative Firm for sponsoring this podcast. If you would like pictures of your wedding, your family, individual, senior photography, or design, web design, I'll be in New Zealand in October, so hit me up from there as well. Thank you. Also, Optics Drones by Matt Zabo. Thank you for sponsoring us. Goodbye. Well, that's In Defense of Humanity. We really appreciate Tyler Vickers for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. And next time, I know I just mentioned Flint, but let's be honest, it's pretty sporadic. So we'll talk about something. And we made it in less than an hour. So thank you. This is In Defense of Humanity. Goodbye.